battle in the heart of Alabama caught our attention. Coal miners in one community, they've been on strike now for months. Working as long as 12 hours a day, seven days a week, in some of the most dangerous conditions. I really think that the labor movement is the single greatest force for democracy in the history of the United States. The story of Alabama is a story of not just resilience, but of militancy. I If we ain't all free, ain't none of us free. You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Hello, Tennessee Valley. This is The Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator, Adam Keller, broadcasting live. Online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today, we talk about what's next for the Democratic Party in Alabama with the chair of the party. Coal miners are still on strike. We play clips from their rally uh, last week. All that and more on today's program. If you want to be part of the show today, we've got a phone number. The line is not open today. We've got a full show, not going to be able to take calls, but we can take text messages and we will be monitoring the live chat in YouTube, on YouTube, and Facebook. So check us out on YouTube and Facebook, send something in the chat, or shoot us a text message. That phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8888. You can also leave us a voicemail throughout the week. If you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap here on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, then you can find us anywhere you find anything online. We are on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, wherever you get your podcasts, all at The Valley Labor Report. Just a reminder, your support helps us stay on the air. Our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners. So if you want to become a sustaining member of the program, donate a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, an hour's wage every month. If you want to make a one-time donation, like send us a tip for a particularly good show or segment, or you want to buy some of our merch, we have, I think, one hat left. We have some stickers, and for all of that, you can go to our website. That's tvlr.fm, tvlr.fm slash donate, or tvlr.fm slash store, or you can become a patron at patreon.com slash Report. If you're a member of a union, uh, then you can get your local to sponsor the show. You can reach out to me for more details on that. And with that, we're just going to jump right in to Last Week in Southern Labor, which is a segment that we do every week, mostly, where we tell you what happened in the labor movement in the South in the last week. We pull the information from Jonah Furman's newsletter, Who Gets the Bird?, which compiles all of this information for the entire United States. So if you want to see what's going on outside the South, then you should subscribe to his newsletter. That is whogetsthebird.substack.com. With that, let's jump into new organizing 
for the weeks of October 23rd through November 6th. We had 91 workers at Florida City Gas and Power and Light in Miami who are organizing with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, IBEW, 75 contracted custodians at the Atlanta airport are unionizing with Workers United. The Communication Workers of America Local 1400, a.k.a. the Alphabet Workers Union, are organizing 58 YouTube music employees in Austin, Texas, who are subcontracted under a joint employer standard. Twelve staffers at the nonprofit Center for Rural Affairs in D.C. are joining an independent union. In wins and losses, we had 45 drivers for the Aramark Uniform Company in Houston, Texas, vote 31 to 0 unanimously to join Teamsters Local 988. Way to go, Houston Teamsters. 22 barge and tugboat workers for the Morin Towing Company in Savannah, Georgia, voted against joining the Masters, Mates, and Pilots Union 6-16. to In three separate votes, the independent Restaurant Workers United lost two but won one. At Austin, Texas, pizza chain Via 313. Of the 92 eligible voters, 21 voted for the union and 32 voted against. In two votes among 248 workers for PepsiCo in Medley, Florida, 166 drivers dropped the steelworkers, local 7609, 56-70, while 82 production and warehouse workers stuck with the union, 57-22. Workers at Pizza Lupo in Louisville, Kentucky, won voluntary recognition with the Independent Restaurant Workers United. And an analysis at NBC News shows that the pattern of companies illegally shutting down to evade unions is real. And we should all take it existentially seriously for this new organizing wavelet. In strikes and bargaining updates, 6,000 members of the Brotherhood of Railroad Signalmen voted down their agreement, joining the Brotherhood of Maintenance and Way employees in rejecting the latest deal and preparing to strike. 5,000 members of Machinists District Lodge 19 narrowly voted to ratify their deal. 52% voted yes, with 59% turnout. Just a reminder, only one union needs to strike for all of them to strike and shut down the country's rail infrastructure. Two unions representing educators in Shelby County, Tennessee, are at odds over whether or not to move towards renegotiating a long-expired contract. Love to see that. <laughs> Elsewhere in transit, drivers in Greensboro, North Carolina, walked off for a day due to, so-called, due to a so-called misunderstanding about changes to their health care coverage that appear to have been soothed enough to resume operations. In Louisville, Kentucky, after getting quite close to an illegal strike, the amalgamated transit union Local 1447 reached a tentative agreement with the local transit authority. Journalists at the Fort Worth, Texas Star-Telegram have launched a strike fund The Airline Pilots Association pilots at Delta have authorized a strike. The Airline Pilots Association pilots at United rejected a tentative agreement. And the Allied Pilots Association pilots at American Airlines rejected a deal before even sending it to the membership 
Lots of pilot stuff happening last week. Machinists, customer service agents at Southwest Airlines, however, had a little bit better luck with a tentative agreement for their 8,000 members after they rejected the last one. So we'll see what the members say about it. In In Louisiana, Mississippi, Kentucky, and Virginia, Communications of uh, Workers of America call center workers for federal contractor Maximus struck for one day, but that day was an important one. It was the first day of open enrollment for the ACA, which is an obviously heavy traffic day for these call centers. In politics and legislation, Tennessee voted 70% to enshrine the open shop so-called right-to-work law in the state constitution. In better news, Illinois adopted a basically a reversal of that amendment and enshrined the right to organize. So yes. um, at least our, our Yankee friends up in <laughs> Illinois did something positive for yep. sure. The NLRB wants to repeal a Trump-era rule that made it harder for unions to block decertification votes. And in a jaw-dropping ruling, a far-right Trump-appointed judge has ruled that Starbucks is entitled to see Workers United's communications with journalists as part of discovery in a case against Starbucks. Amazing how broken labor law is in this country. In internal union politics for labor notes, Jonah wrote about the nascent reform efforts in the massive uh, UFCW and the showdown that could ensue at the 2023 convention and beyond. In the shadow of a massive merger that could rock the union, there are new Teamsters for a Democratic Union and Unite All Workers for Democracy inspired efforts to switch to direct elections for top officers, massively invest in coordinated bargaining and new organizing, and form a rank-and-file caucus. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Sean Fain of the Members United opposition slate in the UAW direct election spoke to Bloomberg about their campaign to unseat the forever incumbent administration caucus from national leadership in that union. Meanwhile, the election monitor found that at least one incumbent inappropriately retaliated against the opposition challenger. The vote count is at the end of this month, and as of today, only 83,000 votes, less than 9% of those mailed, had been received per the election monitor's website. In a five-way race for the presidency, it seems likely that at least that top spot, and maybe some of the VPs where eight members are running for three spots, will see a runoff in early 2023. Jonah also wrote about his Third, Teamsters for a Democratic Union convention. You can read a write-up from In These Times on that. And so we're going to go ahead and take a short break. On the other side of this, we're going to be talking to Randy Kelly, chair of the Alabama Democratic Party. Just a reminder, you can text the show at 844-899-TVLR if you have any questions you'd like to see him answer or any comments for the show. See you on the other side. Hometown Action is a grassroots organization building a multiracial working class movement for racial, gender, economic, and environmental justice in Alabama's rural communities. We stand in solidarity with Alabama workers and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report's efforts to inform and build the Southern Worker Movement. Please visit hometownaction.org and follow our social media channels at Hometown Action to learn more about how you too can get involved to make the South a better place for all workers. Solidarity, y'all. IBW 558 is like a great football team. 
You've got to have the aptitude, skills, and knowledge to outperform the competition. If you're a non-union electrician, now is the perfect time to get off the sideline and join our team. We have the absolute best wages and benefit package in North Alabama and Southern Tennessee. It's because our team stands together, bargains together, and our families benefit from it. With immediate openings, you have the opportunity to see why the IBW is the right choice. Energy Alabama is a locally operated and membership-based nonprofit organization focused on advancing Alabama's clean energy future through education and advocacy. Many people in charge of infrastructure and building decisions simply don't know about how viable clean and renewable energy is. To that end, Energy Alabama has provided instruction to more than thousands of adults and tens of thousands of K-12 students across the state. We're working hard to build careers in clean energy and help everyday Alabamians save money on their utility bills. Learn more about our work and how you can join us at energyalabama.org. Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Support for this program comes from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 136, out of Central Alabama. Learn more at IBEW136.org. Attention union members, membership organizations, podcasters, or anyone with a payment processing need. The future is here, and your organization needs to be prepared by working with Unionly. With Unionly, your union or organization can take payments on a mobile device, eliminating processing fees, giving you a better price than other payment processing methods, while at the same time supporting a union-friendly business with a specialized skill set to meet your needs. Your members will thank you when they pay their dues at their convenience without waiting in line to deposit cash or check. Start preparing for the future today by calling 206-595-8631 or visiting unionly.io. Labor creates all wealth. All wealth should go to labor. And you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is Adam Keller. If you've got anything to add, you can send us a text message. At our phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. We're going to be talking to our guest Randy Kelly here in a bit, but I want to lay the groundwork for this conversation really quickly. Uh, We're a Union Talk radio show. Both of us are union members. Both of us are workers. Uh, we don't make money from this show. We're not professional pundits, right? We go to work. Uh, I, I do like the nine to five thing, and, and Adam has a, has a little bit, uh, you know, a, a little bit more hectic of a schedule being a stagehand. But uh, you know, the reason that we have at least a passing interest in the Democratic Party here in the state is not that we are Democratic partisans. It's because it is obvious that the Republicans 
don't care about us. Just a few examples that are all recent, right? Kay Ivey, in a letter with other Republican governors, is trying to get Joe Biden to rescind his executive order mandating project labor agreements on federal construction projects over $35 million. Now, this sounds like what, you know, what project labor agreement, $35 million, this is all like hoity-toity, I don't know what that means. That means project labor agreements increase wages, they make benefits better, they make the jobs safer, and they keep more of the jobs local. She is lobbying for Joe Biden to rescind the order to make those things happen in Alabama on federal construction projects. That's all you need to know about that. The Alabama Attorney General still, still has not so much as commented on child labor in his state. We have children, 12-year-old children, working in manufacturing facilities with $50,000 OSHA fines for amputation hazards, among other things. And he hasn't even commented about it. The top law enforcement officer in the country, or in the state, when Democrats last year tried to pass a Pregnant Workers Protection Act in the same year that Roe would later be overturned, no less, Republicans killed it. Republicans want to keep pregnant workers, want to allow pregnant workers to be discriminated against because they're pregnant. And yet, they want them forced to be pregnant. Tommy Tuberville read from a Warrior Met press release when his constituents were in D.C. testifying to how that company is screwing them over. When, his, when Alabamians were in D.C. on talking about how Warrior Met and these private equity firms are screwing them over, Tommy Tuberville read from the press release of international private equity firms, not from Alabamians. Not a single Republican, in fact, has supported these striking miners. Instead of supporting workers in their state, instead, Republican politicians and their pundit class want to make us mad at each other. They want us to attack each other. They want to attack immigrants. They want to attack gay folks so that we don't get mad at all their buddies donating to their campaigns, right? So it's obvious it's obvious to folks paying attention, it should be, that the Republican Party wants to grind working people into powder because they are fully beholden to the bosses. And it would be nice to have a party in the electoral sphere that stood up for working people, that was a partner to working people, to labor. And for now, and that actually had some power to do something for us. And for now, the main opposition party is the Democrats, who I do want to say have done some things for working people in Alabama and then, and then more uh, federally. They were able to successfully block the anti-protest bill, which would have, would have further hampered our ability to strike in the state. And like I said, Democrats tried to pass a Pregnant Workers Protection Act to protect pregnant folks from discrimination on the job. And one or two of them have even been supportive of the coal miners. And the Tuscaloosa County Party has donated to their strike fund, and the state party, at one point anyway, was sending out fundraising emails for them. Of course, there are some times that they underperform. I saw merchandise of several local Democratic candidates here in Huntsville, and not a single piece of their merchandise had a union bug on it. Who knows if they were even made in the country, right? Could have been made in China. One of these Democrats with non-union merch was bragging in an ad 
about having been president of the local council of bosses, also known as a chamber of commerce, at a time when she was president of that organization, at a time when those organizations were lobbying the legislature for immunity from liability for putting their employees in egregious risk to COVID in the workplace, a lobbying effort that was successful in Alabama, by the way. And then there are the whole suite of issues from which Democrats are simply absent in the battleground, that they're just not present in any meaningful way. The Democratic Party in Alabama has, through multiple changes in leadership in this state, gone from controlling both chambers of the state legislature to almost total irrelevancy since 2010. A party that cannot field candidates for half the races, much less all of them, could hardly be considered functional. And a party that does well to lose by 20 points, that's doing well. And in a supermajority of district, could hardly be considered competitive. And those are just a couple of, of the many symptoms of deep, deeper issues with the party in this state. Yeah, and I, and I want to jump in here and just share a few thoughts, uh, particularly after this election. And I want to start by saying that the working class in Alabama, as elsewhere, is the majority. Right. We are the majority numerically. We're also the most diverse class. And, you know, it's it's uh, worth reflecting as we talk about how the Republicans do not represent us, that we don't have representation in the state of Alabama. Working class people, we don't have representation. We don't have legitimate opposition to the far right. We don't have a viable opposition to right-wing ideology and to the right-wing politicians who dominate this state at the behest of bosses. And, you know, I'm tired of Alabama being the best at everything bad and the worst at everything good, right? I'm tired of Alabama's quality of life ranking at or near the bottom on every single metric. And I know I'm not the only one. Working class people deserve better in the state of Alabama and elsewhere. And for me, I think and I want an interracial working class movement that can actually change the balance of power here in Alabama and elsewhere. That's what I want to see. And frankly, I think it's our best and only hope to respond to the multiple layers of crisis that we're experiencing. We have a societal downward spiral of exploitation, of oppression, and environmental destruction. And if we were to pull ourselves out of it, it's gonna take everyday people, white and black, gay and straight, native and immigrant, all pulling together along our common interests and our common ground as working people, as people who don't own anything but our labor that we have to sell to somebody else and hope it's enough to survive on. That's the state of the situation here in Alabama. And we don't have an adequate voice. And so, you know, that's been on my mind this week as I've, I've digested the, this election and these election results. And as we prepared to talk with, with Chairman Kelly and, you know, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of his time to come on the show and, and talk with us. And I'm looking forward to hear what he has to say, um, because I, I think there must be dialogue 
between those who are in positions of political leadership and those of us who are out living our lives, hoping for progressive change, trying to make a difference in the community. So I think that the, the big questions, and I think you were hitting on there, for working people in this state are these. Will the Democratic Party in Alabama be able to pull itself out of the slump it is in and be able to once again contest Republicans in a serious way? How does it do that? If they do, will they represent the interests of working people as a contestant in the political arena? Is it worth you, listener, as a working person, devoting any of the time that you've been able to get free from your boss, any of your hard-earned money, to the party, to these candidates? Are the people at the helm capable of turning this apparatus into a real force, and will they have your interests in mind? I think this is only a touchstone in a long debate that working people have been having since Republicans and Democrats have emerged as the two main parties in our system, and it's a debate that's going to be had long after this conversation, right? right? Um, we're not going to solve. We're not going to solve it here, but to help us work through some of these questions today, we do have the man at the helm of the Alabama Democratic Party today. Uh, the man who has been at the helm since August, Reverend Randy Kelly of Huntsville. Uh, Mr. Kelly, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us this morning. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you for your invitation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, yeah, I uh, like I said, really do appreciate your time. I'm sure you're busy. Um, and and so, and, and you know, I... I we definitely, you know, we're, we're interested. Just stop on the word business. There, I got a, I got a wedding today, a funeral today. <laughs> Supposed to be at a minister's conference today from the association. Yeah. So uh, every day is a busy day. Absolutely. But I love yeah. it. Absolutely, and we appreciate you taking the time. And so let's start. Let's talk about you being the person of the, at the helm. Uh, how did you get here? And and why did the folks on the state Democratic Executive Committee trust you to lead the party during this moment? Well, I have come up through the ranks to be chair in the Democratic Party. I started off as a member of the Alabama Democratic Conference, became Alabama Democratic Conference uh, county chair, regional chair, state vice chair, became a DNC member, the vice chair of the party for two terms, was elected as the vice chair of the Democratic National Committee Black Caucus, as well as to the Associated State Democrats. So I've come all the way up through the rank of the Democratic Party. So what is, you know, what is your vision for the party? What, um, you know, did that play into, did that play into the people that, that did vote for you on, on the committee? That Was there a, you know, was, was there a specific kind of organizing plan that you presented people with? Or, or was it just by virtue of like, haven't been around for a while, right? Well, I have been working diligently for a while, particularly in the area of social justice. I have a background as an SCLC president, Southern Christian Leadership Conference president, as well as an NAACP president. In the United Methodist Church, I've served as the convener of religion and race for the entire North Alabama Conference. And we've been uh, very visible, very vocal here in this area. I am the political actions chair of the NAACP in Madison County, which is the largest one in the state. I'm the social actions chair of the Greater Huntsville 
uh, uh, Greater Huntsville Interdenomination Ministerial Fellowship. That's the largest ministerial fellowship in this area. And I'm on the board of Interfaith Mission Services and a number of other things. I have been mm -hmm. extremely active. Uh, and I passed it in Birmingham and been a talk show host. I was talk show hosting guest in Birmingham. Yeah. So you can two, you can give us some tips after right. the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and I do want to. I need a job on that. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Well, and and you know I so the and I and I think that all, all that is relevant. You know all these the you know you you've been chair of a lot of different organizations and all of this stuff. But uh, but but the question was. What is what is your vision for the party and the concrete goals that you have uh, for for your term as chair? Um, well, how are you gonna How are you gonna parlay these positions and these and these connections that 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 it sounds like you have to make the the Democratic Party to make the Democratic Party relevant? Okay, I think we've got the first of all start off with the problem. Uh, as you should know, if you don't know, that Alabama is one of the most racially polarized states of the nation. Uh, President Obama ran, he lost by a record margin, but Donald Trump won by a record margin here. And the South has been going Republican since Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act. He said, I'm going to sign this act. I'm a, I feel that I would turn it over to the South but this is the right thing to do. Then you had a number of whites left based on the Civil Rights Act that was achieved in Birmingham under the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Reverend Fred Shulwer and many others. And then you had another flight when Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954 was passed in that Supreme Court decision, but school integration came about in the late 1960s, around 1968, based on school integration. That galvanized whites to go from the, some whites that didn't want to go to school with blacks, the so-called model majority, which I call it mere model majority. They were galvanized and you had other whites that was galvanized. And these uh, galvanizing issues came about because of perceived black progress. Now here in Alabama, one thing is not, is hardly ever shared. We have more black elected officials in this state than any other state in the nation. But that has come about because of activism, civil rights activism. And the gains that we have achieved is based on civil rights activism. And so you said it, uh, your co-host said it succinctly, we got to pull together because we got more in common than we have in differences. And you know, the Republican party don't give a hill of beans about blacks, nor poor people, nor any diversity as far as that is concerned. And we all didn't come here on the Nina Hinton and Santa Maria, but we're all in the same boat now as he shared. And I was intending to share before he shared, he just stole it out of my brain. We're at the bottom of everything that's good and at the top of everything that's bad. The Republican Party is pro-rich. And of course, they're against women's rights. They're against uh, raising the minimum wage. Most of the folks that's voting for Republicans can't name not one thing that the Republican Party is doing. And even the K 
candidates don't even promise you anything but trickle down mm. economics. They're waiting on economics to trickle down. It's just like Chicken Little waiting on the sky to fall. Mm. And so these poor people are like a crazy woman in love with a no good man. The more they get mistreated, the more they love it. What progress have we made under the Republican Party? So we've got to tell the story collectively, those of us who are conscious and those of us who of a good will. Now, Black people never would have changed, gained into that. The Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, the Public Accommodation Act, if it had not been for white folks of good will. So we got to appeal to white folks of good will and tell them that the things that's on the state, on state at state, you got uh, folks like um, Lindsey Graham and other uh, Republicans that's talking about cutting Social Security. A lot of our seniors, mothers and grandmothers live off Social Security. You have a party uh, where you now have Joe Biden, who has created 10 million jobs, the jobs that Trump lost uh, uh, and the, in denial of the Republican, just an incompetent, dumb, racist man in office, and his only appeal was racism. So we've got to really come to our senses here in Alabama if we're going to make progress. I do think that that a lot of that is is important, and, and a lot of that is 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 uh, you know it. Let me, could... let me share this. Let me share this. Now in four months, now I'm not going to do a miracle. I right, was naked right. at mid-office, and I inherited this party. They had people before me was making uh, half a dozen of them, uh, making over $100,000 a year. And uh, one of them was making $150,000 a year. Mm -hmm. But now when I took the ham, ham of the organization, then they didn't have money in it. Right. And also even the, the um, website. Even the password was not even uh, passed down in the website. So we got to rebuild hmm. it from the bottom. And it's at really as an all-time low now. But on the other hand, I think it's still a, a good time because I plan on working, uh, organizing and mobilizing young people, coalitions, organizations. Here at um, this church I pastor, we have one of the largest June teams. We have the largest June team in the state and probably one of the largest ones in the country. And I put that together in two years. We have 50 organizations and eight churches join us every year. And we had a June team in the pandemic before it was a holiday. Prior to here, I had the largest one in the state. We had Chinese, Japanese, Native Americans, Korean, country and Western white people. We pulled them together. If we can do that for a festival, we can do that for the progress of, of this state here on these, these grounds here. Last, this year, we had an international delegation of people uh, from Global Times, from Brazil, Peru, Bolivia, Guatemala, Cuba. We had uh, the U.S. Huntsville Missile Defense Agency. And who's who in Huntsville kicked off by the mayor? Now, if we can mobilize a coalition like this, it's going to take organizing and mobilizing and energizing our base. I was going to jump in here, Jacob. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that in terms of what you inherited, uh, because that was actually the next question we had. Um, because I think in fairness, we have to state that you became the chair in August. And we're talking about issues that have festered for, for many years. Uh, 
for the entire adult lifetime of, of me and Jacob here. Um, and so regardless of what people think about your short term in office so far or, or you know, your election, it can't all be put on you or any one administration because we have to acknowledge that the Democratic Party in Alabama has not been viable in multiple election cycles under multiple administrations. So I do appreciate that you you kind of shared a little bit. You've been candid uh, about the state of the party that you inherited. Um, and so, you know, I want to switch gears kind of on, on that note, though. There are obviously some really deep divisions within the Democratic party activist base. Uh, not that there's a lot of those in the state of Alabama, but there are Democratic Party activists and and there's division there. And uh, in fact, it seems like about the only time Democrats have been making headlines late, lately is when there's that kind of, you know, drama, uh, as you put it elsewhere. And, and I think that's that's fair to call it that. Um, you know, there's there's been media coverage of your dispute with the vice chair. We don't want to get into all that uh, because we're focused on the bigger picture here. Uh, but I know you spoke with Josh Moon and David Person recently uh, about that issue at length. And so, you know, if folks want to hear more about that. They can tune into that. Uh, but we wanted to, to zoom out a bit and, and look at the bigger picture of building bridges, building coalitions, as, as you mentioned. Um, what are your plans and thoughts moving forward to make use of the people who already are with you in some form or fashion? They are involved in Democratic Party activism in some way, whether it's, you know, aligned with ADC or, or aligned with other organizations. But how do you plan to make use of the people who are already with you and build bridges to, to grow that coalition and start to heal the divides within the party? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's just one individual divide and we need to just talk about that. The issue of that was something that uh, my vice chair sent to the media, but actually my vice chair has had some very bizarre behavior uh, the entire time she's been elected, but you've never heard of a problem like that in the Democratic party before. And I called for a convention. She was against that. And the convention was to heal and build. That's what the theme was. But she was against that specific convention. And in that convention, the heal and build, I saw her get into a confrontation with three different people. And two were black and one was white. So, and then she was, I was sending correspondence out to our SDC members like any chair would do. And she would set up follow-up correspondence after I sent my correspondence out. And then I saw one article uh, where she said she was the co-chair of the party. Well, we don't have co-chairs of the party. And then she had sent out a uh, correspondence uh, was saying that she was calling the press conference. Well, that's a violation of protocol. I just shared how I was been the vice chair of all kinds of things and, and chair, even president of my student body in seminary. But the official voice of the party is for the chair. So I sent that out to our SDC members and she sent that uh, to the media. And that was the Craig Drum. And this white racist Republican newspaper is not going to give the Democratic Party any positive media. That's why it's important 
always been important for having black radio, black newspapers, because they told our story. If you're familiar with the history of it, they tried to outlaw black papers because they painted uh, organizations with blacks in a positive light. So we got to create our own media. And we got to tell our own story because the devil still, if we don't tell our story, the devil will always steal our story and rob us of our glory. Yeah, and I mean, I think that um, I think that 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 people having their own media is, is important. As Obviously, to, I mean, that's that's, know, that's what, what we're that's doing what we're here, to do here, and, and um, we're proud to be on WZZA, which is a historic black station up in, in Northwest Alabama. I'm sure you're familiar with. But well, you know, Adam, really quick though, I, I wanted to. Um, dig dig into that a bit because and and we are we're, we're live on on YouTube as well as the radio and so on YouTube you know people can chat in and, and we have some people that are, that are on the on the committee that that uh that are watching and and they're they're chatting and telling us some thoughts and 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 you know some of them are, are saying that uh from one member uh she says I say as a, a committee member I have received no emails from Chair Kelly and I have asked directly to be added um, the chair's never sent any emails to SDEC members because only Tabitha has bothered to try to put together a full list. Um, new SDEC members haven't received anything. Um, why is that? Uh, why why is he saying that 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 he does have a full list and that he is? And and so you know it seems like there's a there's at least a contention saying that that you know that uh, Tabitha is the one that is that has actually been able to to talk to them and that's actually tried to talk to them and. And you know, as far as calling a press conference and, and talking to the media, I mean, it, it, do you not think that that talking to the media is is a as you know somebody that the state committee elected to be vice chair? Do you do you not think that talking to the media is is something that a vice chair can do? She can call a press conference on her own, but not for the party. Yeah, I'm the chairman of the party, mm -hmm. and it's, and it's two anything with two heads is a freak. So it's going to be one chair of the party as long as I'm running in the party. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, but, but the, I'm glad they call a call in because we've tried to get the information of who was on the committee because the court reporter never sent us this information. We have not received that information yet. And now Ms. Eichner may know, but she should have been gave us all of the information of the people that was on there. And that's why some people didn't get in the correspondence because we didn't even know they were on the committee. And that was one reason we had even a get acquainted event and pull the convention together so we could find out who was on there. But the court reporter has not given us that information as up to this day. And I would have to have ESP to know extrasensory perception to know who in the ham sandwich was on the committee. There was no way for me to know. Sure, sure, but I, I, I think that I think we thought we thought we had everybody, but but right. yeah, it's not my fault. Yeah, I've, I've, we've tried persistently, so it wasn't a smooth transition. Mm -hmm. Now, if I had been chair, I would have had everything in place. I would have had a plan for the candidates and all this kind of stuff. But I inherited no plans, no funds. Uh, anything like that. As I just shared, it's at an all-time low. And the reason why I can say it's an all-time low because I've been on the committee. Sure. And and I mean, 
you know, I, I, I don't doubt that there are, you know, I, I didn't realize that they hadn't given you the password to the website, for example. I think that that's pretty, <laughs> that's not great. But, uh, you know, um, you, you mentioned in, in your interview that you hadn't even in, even talked to the vice chair since the since the, uh, you know, public kerfuffle. And and then the, uh, you know, the, the the person here in the chat uh, is saying that that she's given you her email directly and she still hasn't and requested to be added and still hasn't been added. But but it, it sounds like you're you're going to be working to, to make an effort to add add the people that that are you know calling the office and sending sending emails and requesting to be added. Is that what we're understanding? Yeah, well, personally, I don't have the email. Um, she hadn't sent it to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know who's sent it to, but I don't have it. But we put everybody on there whose name that we had, and we even have made repeated appeals for that. And we'd be happy to put a name on there. Yeah. Well, I think I think what we see here is obviously there's some communication issues inside the party. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that it would be a mistake to say that the division is solely down to one individual because um, even if even if that one individual is is certainly part of this, there are people who are aligned with with Ms. Eisner. Mm -hmm. um, there are people who are, are kind of all, you know taking sides, so to speak, and so you know, and that's kind of what we were were hoping to to look at as as. Is to We've see, got yeah, sides. like how Let's are put these right, sides and how together? Are, right. How are we gonna? How how are how are you gonna? Because you know we're not we're not a democratic. That's that's right. But how how are y'all gonna be able to? We have communicated. We right. have communicated. That's not true. That we have not communicated. We've communicated. Since oh, since then. since okay. Well, I, I, uh, that that may have happened. So I just listened to the podcast for, of you and right. Josh Moon this morning, and, yeah, and that, on was that, that, that was at that time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, and and so. What what is the what is the plan to kind of bring those factions together? Well, actually, uh, I think the main thing that brings people together is working around a common issue. Uh, issues bring people together. As a longtime church pastor, that uh, builds relationships, working together for common causes. And yes, we've got different cultures and different backgrounds, but it's a matter of synthesizing those things and then being able to disagree and not being disagreeable mm. i think that that i you know i that's something that that we certainly try to take into the union hall uh try to be able to disagree without being disagreeable i think that's Absolutely. good advice um you know so on to the the next question that we had was about the fielding fielding of candidates and obviously right you've been chair since august and and that was long past the deadline to get on the ballot so so the lack of candidates on this election is is certainly that's certainly not on you but this has been an issue since i mean even in 2018 we had more, you know there were more democrats on the ballot than i think 2014 uh but this year libertarians actually fielded more candidates in alabama than democrats and they did that despite only knowing they'd have ballot access a month before the deadline. And um, just to just to give a, a practical example on it, I counted up on my ballot in Athens, Alabama. I had 26 offices to choose from. Democrats had seven candidates. Libertarians had 12. And 10 Republicans were unopposed. So there were more unopposed Republicans on my ballot than Democrat options. 
So what is your plan to increase candidate recruitment so that folks uh, at least have an option on election day? That's it. Aggressive, aggressively seek out candidates. Now, I'm a former city council person. Uh, I ran, first time I ran, I would have been shocked if I had won because I was just a, a, a radical out there addressing issues, trying to improve my community. And uh, I didn't have uh, the money to run a campaign. I didn't really have the message and I didn't have the machinery. Those are the basics. And candidates can't win an election when you don't really have the ba basics. Now, if you got a message and you're able to organize, you can build a machine. And then you're looking at a uh, state. I was talking to President Biden. And uh, at the end of our conversation, he asked me, how was it going in Alabama? And I said, Mr. President, you know, this is a deep red state. And he said, well, you wrong. He said, it's a crimson state. It's past red. Kay Ivey, in the first report, had spent $10 million and had a quarter million dollars almost left, and there's no telling how much she didn't have on this last round. And political uh, monies normally come from big business, you know, because that's good for business. They want these politicians to be favorable to, the, to their business dealings and what have you. And uh, a lot of times, it's just like going to the horse race. You're not going to go out and bet on a horse that's going to be losing. So we've got to recruit candidates, and we got to groom candidates, and we got to provide candidate training. But now there's candidate training out there that's offered by the Democratic National Committee. You had the Best Practice Institute, you had the National Democratic Training Committee. But the folks are not familiar with that. We're going to make sure that the people are familiar with that kind of training, because there's some people want to run but they don't know how to campaign. Now, the next time I ran, I had name recognition. People um, knew me. I even got a talk show, daily talk show at 12 noon on WMGJ radio called Tell It Like It Is, where I kept the city stirred up every day. And then uh, I was pastoring a church and basically the church that I pastored with my campaign committee, we had children and senior citizens and what have you, and we built an organization without no endorsements from the newspaper or so-called big folks. We ran a grassroots campaign, but that's very rare in itself. So you need to, first of all, spend some time in planning a campaign. Uh, I think some folks plan, spent less time in planning the campaign than they would a trip to go to uh, New York City or somewhere. I think you're that just all... not going to be people there in a deep red state. Well, mm -hmm. we don't own, uh, we don't, um, it's not in any statewide uh, position at all. And then you're going to pop up and then unseat these, uh, these incumbents. It's hard to beat an incumbent. Mm -hmm. So so anyway, we got to work at it. We got to got to build our base, organize, strategize, mobilize, and train. And also, we got to reach a lot of these young people. I think one of our failures is that our young people 
even in the African-American community, they are unaware of the struggle. And many of them don't know the importance of politics. Mm. They don't know that being engaged in civic affairs increases the quality of life indicators, uh, that things are better in communities where people are, are active in civic participation. So we've got to work and educate them on the importance of voting and, and, and how using our vote as a weapon is a way of making a more just and a more loving world. I think those are the, those are two, those are two good answers, I think, and I'm going to ask a follow-up to both of them. And the first is, is the, the bit to candidate recruitment. And you said aggressively seeking out candidates and, and training them and planning and thinking of getting people, you know, um, that are, that are rooted in their community. Um, and I think that that is, you know, I, I would agree with that. And so the, the, the follow-up to that is, um, how are, because the candidate recruitment has been an issue, I think, I mean, my, since 2010, and that's been under both kind of administrations of the Democratic Party in Alabama, under the Worley administration, and then under the England administration, and so, uh, and, and both, both administrations, I think, uh, you know, objectively, objectively failed to recruit candidates. I think, you know, that's just, that's just a fact of the matter. And it does, it's not a, it's not an indictment of their character or, you know, maybe it's, you know, uh, or anything like that. It's just an objective fact that they failed to recruit candidates. And so what are you taking from their failures, uh, from the failures of the party in those two instances? Uh, and, and how are you going to rectify those mistakes? And then the second one that you said was the importance of bringing other people, bringing people into the party. Uh, bringing youth folks into the party, uh, bringing getting people civically engaged. I think that's very important. And and the follow up to that is, I think that at one point, I believe there was talk of amending the bylaws to remove the additional caucuses within the Alabama Democratic Party, like the youth caucus, the Hispanic caucus, the LGBTQ caucus, etc. Um, is that still the case? And if it is still the case, is that a good? Is that a message that? people in these groups are going to see and think that this is a party that wants them to be involved. And so, so just to recap, the questions are the follow-up uh, is, is what are, what are, what are your lessons learned from the failures of candidate recruitment from the past two administrations? Um, and then the question about amending the bylaws uh, to remove the additional caucuses. Well, well, I'm going down to, well, I'm, I'm going to, go down to the University of Alabama and take some classes under Nick Saban. He does a good job. He does a good job. Yeah. Cooling football players. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's complex. And we're going to lay out a comprehensive a formula, uh, study the polls and what we went wrong and also continue to build and mobilize. And uh, one of the challenges uh, we've been trying to raise money course, you, you can't operate a party without money. So you, and we really don't have uh, but just a skeleton crew as far as the staff is concerned. So we're in the process of restaffing, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And some things I'm not going to share publicly because you never, I'm a, a veteran, a former uh, soldier who trained combat soldiers, and you never tell your enemy what you're going to do. And as far as the bylaws is concerned, it's uh, that was not my call. There was some people within the body 
of the party is concerned. But whatever takes place, I'm sure that it's going to be fair to all. So you you don't have a position about whether whether or not you should remove those additional minority caucuses? Those caucuses have never been removed, and they won't be removed. But the balance of it is has been somewhat a, a power struggle, and I don't know how it's going to play out. And I'm the chair. I'm neutral. I don't take one side, one side or the other. In fact, they their vote will uh, make the determination how they voted, voted down or voted up. And it's not anything that anything uh, that I have introduced. Uh, and and the bylaws that they have was presented before I came there. This is a bylaws from the last administration. So, so, but you don't, you don't have a, a an opinion about what would be fair regarding the caucuses. Um, you know, well, it would be based on numbers. It would be based on the voting percentages in the and they are in the electorate. But the bylaws were skewed just for the public information to reduce the vote of blacks in the party. That's why it was it was a power struggle. Blacks in Alabama uh, negotiated our voting uh, representation based on our voting participation due to the race history of racism in Alabama with the Federal Justice Department. And if you check that, you will find that is true. But they had reduced the number of Blacks on that committee to keep Blacks from becoming, uh, coming into a power in that on that specific committee. And of course, one a professional said that we are 71% of the party voters of the party. So it's a matter of numbers, it's a power struggle. And um, you can't hold down a black person that's not voting Democrat. Mm. You uh, wouldn't have a Democratic party if it wasn't a black folk. Right, Th certainly. Uh, one one common criticism of, of the party from some of their some of its own voters has been been a lack of presence uh, since August since you took over. Um, you know, absence from the conversation in the media, on social e uh, media, or in people's email inboxes. You know, I think that uh, I think that there are a lot of criticisms that I would have of the last administration. Uh, I think having fifteen people full time on payroll for years. I don't think that we saw. I, I frankly, uh, you know, I don't think that we saw the benefits of that. The people of Alabama, working people of Alabama, I don't think that we saw the benefits of having 15 full-time staffers for the Democratic Party. Um, but one thing that they did was uh, they had an active social media presence. They sent emails fairly regularly. Um, and since taking office, all, that has uh, come to a, to a screeching halt. I don't believe that the party has posted anything on social media since then. I don't think that there. I don't think there's been any press releases or anything like that, any press conferences. Um, so, you know, uh, wh why is that? Do you think that that's? Do you think that that's good? Do you think you know? Do you are, are you like? Is that a purposeful step to take a step back from the public eye while you regroup, or? Um, you know, do you not think that Democrats should be out there right now, or you know, just what, what is your what is your response to the criticism of of the party being absent? I think the social media is um, issue is relevant, and I'm all for that. But they had staff people for that, and I just got through telling you we have a skeleton crew right now as far as staff is concerned, and we're in the pro we don't even have an executive director. So we're in the process of 
uh, trying to hire some people, but you they're not gonna uh, uh, work for peanuts. And if you give them peanuts, you're not gonna get anything but monkeys. Mm. So that takes time to hire a good staff because it's um, uh, easier to hire than it is to hire somebody and fire them. Mm-hmm. So we're we're taking our time. Like I say, in, in in the short period of time I have, I I couldn't have done what they expect, and the expectation for me. And I don't mind criticism. I love criticism because uh, being in leadership for a long time, uh, you get immune to criticism. But I love criticism, and I love feedback. And everybody that has called me that I know of, I have responded to them. And I, you know, I, I think that's a good attitude to have to criticism. There have been some people that have volunteered to to run the accounts on a on a volunteer basis. I, I do think I think that Eisner is one of the people that that did. I think that there's been other people on the executive committee that have been willing to run it on a volunteer basis. Um, and it is is your opinion that that the social media accounts should just that sh- they just should be run by by full time staff as opposed to volunteers? Well, we we will let the we will decide who's the best person to run that, and um, I um, am not comfortable with Eisner running that. She's she got up a, a position as vice chair, and because I've seen some of the stuff that she's sent, and let me share another thing about Miss Eisner is uh, she ran for chair in the last administration. She lost chair, and by my understanding, she fell out in the floor and started screaming. And and, and I'm not saying that uh, just to say that. This is what they tell me. So I'm really concerned about who operates the social media because you're sending messages out from the party, and we're trying to put the party in the best light and the best image. I I, I think that that... That's certainly important to that's that's a that's a a talk that I've had with people about union Twitter accounts, actually, about social media discipline (laughs) that, that, you know, I think that's important. Um, Yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not going to let one of the toddlers of my church uh, drive me to Washington, D.C., fly me to Washington, D.C. in an airplane. And even though I I love that ham sandwich out of children. Mm. So we want the right person in social media. We want the right person as the executive director of the park. So, you know, we talked about candidate recruitment. There were candidates uh, that in, in some of the races. Do you feel like those candidates across the state got the support and the guidance that they needed from the state party um, before you were elected and then after you were elected? You know, I don't I don't I you know, I, I don't know if you can comment about the support that they received before, but but you can certainly comment uh, to the extent that they received support after. Uh, do you feel like they got the guidance and the support that they needed from the state party to be able to run successful campaigns? Well, they got the guidance, those that asked me the best guidance that I could give them. And also, I personally hosted forums so that the public could be informed about what they stood for, make sure they was visible. And a lot of them came to my church, even libertarians came here. Mm. And uh, we provided platforms for them. And so I don't know of anything else that we could have done for it. Now, as far as finances is concerned, in the Democratic Party, you have two 
funds, you have a federal fund and a non-federal fund. Uh, a fund. The federal fund basically is used for salaries, but non-federal is flexible. And what we did with the non-federal, uh, some of that is we help with ballots, guide ballots. And the reason for that, uh, the Alabama Democratic Conference is in all 67 of Alabama counties. And folks, a lot of them would not vote because they've been conditioned and, and they've trusted in the leaders in those specific areas to vote by that ballot. And we encouraged all of them to vote straight Democrat. And if the truth is known, that many of them got as many votes as they did because they voted straight Democrat. I think that, you know, you you spoke about, you know, some of some of your plans to build a build a working class majority, uh, hitting some of these some of these issues where Republicans are clearly, clearly out of step with the average working Alabamian wanting to cut Social Security, wanting to cut Medicaid, wanting to uh, cut taxes for the rich while continuing, you know, grocery taxes on the poor. You know, I think that these are all, you know, I, I don't think that you mentioned that last one, but I feel comfortable, you know, uh, I think that, that it's a safe assumption that you hold the position that, that you know, the grocery taxes is, is wrong as well. But, you know, l shifting to, as a, as a union radio show, shifting to, shifting to the Democrat Party's orientation to labor... And, and let me inject this before you get off labor. I'm a former union representative. I worked for Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. Okay. And also, I work now with a group that's organizing unions. And uh, we have uh, periodic Zoom calls. So I'm very much pro union. Well, that is, I, that's you good know, to hear. That, that, that's good to hear. And, and so, are we going to see, you know, under Randy Kelly's Democratic Party, are we going to see, um, you know, a recommitment to organized labor with with a real intention to support unions, those who are organizing unions and, and stuff like that? You know, I mean, we've seen several big labor actions going on in the state right now. Coal miners are on strike. Paper mill workers are locked out. Starbucks and Amazon workers are organizing unions. Longshore workers got near a strike down in Mobile. And, and all of that is actually... That has all been since you've been chair, right? So we've got a lot of stuff happening right now. So, what have what have you and the party been doing to support these workers? And and uh, since you've become chair, and what is your plan to support these workers moving forward? Oh well, I had no connection with them. Uh, none of them had, had contacted me about it. I intend at least of all develop a relationship with them. Uh, we have uh, Daryl Turner's son who was an official in the uh, labor union he's over that uh for the democratic party and i think he's gonna play a, a great role in working with those unions but any way that i can help them i'm certainly going to do that in fact i have uh worked to try to organize unions and hospitals and plants and and everywhere else yeah in fact if it wasn't for the union, I wouldn't be getting a retirement check from uh, a good year time rubber company. And we wouldn't be getting the wages that we, ha we have. And the benefits, the health benefits and all these things. So yeah, I'm 100% uh, behind the union, but a lot of times, you know, you, it, it's a matter of, uh, uh, you know, working together, networking. And uh, of course, I know you do understand we have a lot of 
things that we're uh, challenged with, particularly as uh, as the chair, many things to do. And uh, so, but but if, if uh, I can assist in any way in anything, I certainly will. Do you right now, we're working with uh, education, educators in the school. Uh, I uh, had a meeting here at this church with uh, some people from the uh, desegregation advisory committee. So we're going to be working with the educators and building bridges there. And uh, what, as I was sharing, I'm not going to be able to do. I wasn't, didn't think I was going to do anything miraculous within the short period of time that I was in there. And even in that one no time, it was 14 days before I was over 14 days before I was even able to get in the office because we had a employee that had uh, COVID. Mm. So, uh, so uh, yeah, my wonder time has, has not been a long time to deal with. Mm. And then trying to put, a, put together a convention and multiple other things and meetings. Uh, but, so then, but then too, a lot of things that I'm doing now, I wouldn't have to do if we, you know, had the staff in place, had the staff in place. So we'll be we're going to be wrapping up here, and so I I just want to alert uh, folks. I've I've tried to folks that are that are listening in the YouTube chat. I've tried to uh, incorporate most of your questions in, into our conversation. But if there's anything that you feel that ha really hasn't been asked, uh, then then now's the time to to put a question in the, ch in the chat for uh, for Reverend Kelly. And um and and so you know as some of the last couple of questions. Uh, Sixty some odd percent of of Alabamians didn't vote last week. What is your message to those folks? Well, that that's a, a a hard problem. I don't know why they're not voting. I guess uh, they're not really seeing a return for the vote. I think we got to work both sides of the street. Not only are we going to have to work to build our party. But even those whom we have elected, we need to keep them accountable for our community. And a lot of times people elect people and they don't see them again to four more years when they come and give them a chicken dinner or something to vote for them and what have you. But in the meantime, we've got to have some community forums and bring these people in and make them accountable. When I was elected official, I had district meetings where I would come in the district and keep people informed. And here I've seen that noticeable absence, particularly in North Alabama. And that's something that we got to get back to. We got to have some accountability. And uh, if folks do want to get involved, what can they do? How should they do it? What kind of volunteer needs does the party have? Does the party conduct, facilitate trainings online, in person, stuff like that? If, like if there are people that are out there and, and, and that are listening that do want to lend time and money to the party, where do they need to go? Well, they could call me. Call me or contact the secretary of the party and I could give my number. Uh, you, you have my number. Uh, or either call the office and my secretary will give, it, give that information to us. Okay, we got a couple more questions in, in the chat. Um, and uh, how does how does Chair Kelly intend to support the youth? As he said, it's important for recruitment. Um, will uh, will he accept our email list of youth members and communicate with us? Uh, this is presumably from somebody involved in the youth caucus. I would love to. 
I would love to. I'm very uh, passionate um, about working with young people and any way I can help them. And then also, I'm concerned about uh, not followers, but leaders, making leaders, empowering them. And you said something that I share quite a bit, but in a different way. I believe in having a dialogue rather than a monologue. Mm. I want to hear what they have to say. And my job is to empower them and make them successful and make them visible. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I see my role is, is empowering others. I think good leaders make other leaders, and I try my best to, to do that. If they don't have access to the party website slash socials, are they setting up parallel structures like a new website, new social media, or is there still effort to get uh, to get those passwords or something? It's good efforts to get the password. We got some folks working on it, but I have called the uh, the associate regional chair. I thought he was going to come up with it, but he was unable to do it. But we still got some people working on it. But that's a DNC website. That's not um, mm. just an ordinary everyday Rudy Poop website. Gotcha. If it was, we would have been changed. Gotcha. All right. Well, Adam, do you have any other questions for uh, for the chairman? I uh, just wanted to ask if you had any parting words uh, as we close this conversation. My parting words is I, I thank you for inviting me, and both of you have good radio personalities, and I have enjoyed your questions, and i and I basically wish we had more interaction from the listeners because I kind of um, feed on that uh, feedback. Uh, and I'm energized by it. So, uh, but you can invite me anytime. I'll be happy to come on and deal with whatever topic you want me to deal with. We'll hold Appreciate you to it. that now. We'll hold yeah. you to it. <laughs> uh, I have your I have your number, so I'll I'll give you a call if, if uh, we want to bring you on. So thank Absolutely. you, thank you. I appreciate. We have it. a vacancy for a talk show host there. Just just put me on the waiting list. All right. Sounds when good. Jacob kicks me off the air, I'll yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll call you. Up. I, don't have, I don't have any education, no experience, <laughs> a good reputation, but but I want to be treated fairly like everybody else. All right. Got you. Well, thanks for your time. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. So we are going to head to a break and then we're going to come back and wrap up the show. Don't change the channel. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. Energy Alabama supports consumers and is a leader in advocating for them. We have been able to successfully fight off utility rate increases in the state, reduce fees for electric vehicles, increase electric vehicle infrastructure spending, and secured a $100 million refund by Alabama Power after the utility overcharged customers for fuel. To learn more about our work advocating for customers and join the fight, go to energyalabama.org. There's a lot of talk about a shortage of workers, but that's not the case with IBW558. We have provided our customers over 3,000 workers and performed over 3 million man hours in a pandemic year. With 8,000 OJT hours, 900 classroom hours, OSHA 30, and a state license, our members receive the equivalent of a master's degree. That's what makes IBW558 the right choice for your electrical needs. Look us up at Facebook or at IBW558.org. North Alabama DSA is looking for folks to work for a better North Alabama. They prioritize mutual aid, municipal activism, and union solidarity. Contact them on social media or dsanorthalabama at gmail for more information. 
Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at IAMAW44.org. Hometown Action is a grassroots organization building a multiracial working class movement for racial, gender, economic, and environmental justice in Alabama's rural communities. We stand in solidarity with Alabama workers and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report's efforts to inform and build the Southern Worker Movement. Please visit hometownaction.org and follow our social media channels at Hometown Action to learn more about how you too can get involved to make the South a better place for all workers. Solidarity, y'all. Support for this program also comes from the Iron Workers, Local 477. So if you are looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, uh, they tell me that if you need to know what those mean, then you will. Uh, or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, short or long term, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer, and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Iron Workers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at rwdsu.info. Radio show. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is Adam Keller. If you've got anything to add, you can send us a text message. The phone number is 844-899-8857. That is 844-899-TVLR. We are going to wrap up the show talking about the mine workers rally from last week, but we will continue the conversation about the Democratic Party in overtime. So we got some people in the chat that are going to be calling in, share their thoughts on our interview with Chair Reed or Chair uh, Chair Kelly. A little slip there. <laughs> <This> little, <laughs> uh, Chair Kelly uh, going to be sharing some thoughts about Chair Kelly in overtime. So if you want to hear 
listener thoughts live to that interview that we just had with Chair Kelly. Stay tuned to Overtime. But we wanted to, we do want to make sure that we get to this, uh, to this UMWA stuff from last week before we wrap the main show. And that is that last week, the UMWA, the United Mine Workers of America, marched in Brookwood on a highway by one of the mine entrances in what appeared to be the beginning of an escalation campaign. Uh, I went down there to support my sisters and brothers that have been on strike for a year and a half. I took some PTO. I was happy to do it. Um, and I was able to get a couple of recordings of the speeches from International President Cecil Roberts. Um, and, you know, folks that know Cecil uh, know that he is uh, he is nothing if not a good speaker. So, uh, so I was able to snag a couple of clips. And here is what Cecil said to people as they got ready to walk talking to them about the game plan and the need for them to be to be more visible. So let's play that, Adam. And I can tell you today we have four volunteers. All of them are women who said that they would be willing to sit down in the road and block these people from taking your jobs. I asked them not to do that today. One of the things we have to do is be more visible. So we're going to start that process today. We're going to be walking up the road and somebody's going to come along and tell us we don't have a right to walk on their road. None of you need to be the ones talking to the police if that happens. I'll talk to the police. That's my job. Now, if somebody goes to jail today, it'll be me, all right? Now, no one else needs to worry about that. Y'all just come down to the jailhouse and hope I get out if that happens. I don't intend to do that, but this road does not belong to warrior men. These highways don't belong to warrior men. These police officers are, are not supposed to belong to warrior men. You pay these people salaries and you've been doing it for years. And I will remind you of this. The amount of money that they lose will dictate what kind of contract you get. And, uh, you know, that, that's an, an, an incredibly important point. And he did go on to talk about the importance of free speech. And, and you know, the idea that, that Warrior Met is able to tell citizens of Alabama that we can't have marches on our own roads is just really disgusting. After that, he talked about why Warrior Met has been able to hold on this long um, it's, it, you know, spoiler alert, it's not because the executives have done such a great job executiving. Let's play that, Adam. I showed you a presentation two weeks ago. In the first and second quarter, they could have mined another million tons of coal, but they chose not to mine that million tons of coal because the price of the coal they're getting in the world market compensates for the fact that they didn't get that extra million tons. I can tell you that I've looked at their third quarter and they're still doing really well. And they, these scabs that they have hired, some of them 18, 19 years of age, now they've been in the mine six months, some of them been in the mines a year, they learned how to mine coal. Now the question is before us all, it's before me, it's before you. Are we just going to watch this happen here in Alabama? Hell no. I don't want to watch this happen in Alabama. I want to stand up and fight back here, and that's what the UMWA's done since 1890. We're going to peacefully today, peacefully today, 
get on these roads and walk, and we're going to walk up there to where them scabs are coming and going, and we're going to exercise our right to free speech while we're doing it. After we got back, he closed out by stressing the need to do more, and it sounds like the union's intention to make last week the beginning of an escalation campaign. So let's play that. As we marched up that road, that's the best I have felt for months down here because we were doing something. And some people said it wasn't enough. No kidding. What is enough is to stop those scabs, the production of coal at Warrior Met to zero, and this strike will be over in two weeks. Now that is the truth. Brothers and sisters, there are a number of retirees here. And I want every retiree who doesn't have to be here, by the way, they come here on their own. Every retiree that's here tonight, come on up here and join this group right here. If you're a retiree and you're out there, come up here. Now I want you to understand something. I have had I would imagine 50 to 100 of these retirees tell me the same thing. 40 years ago, this wouldn't happen. We wouldn't let this happen. Nobody would be up there working. It would stop dead in its tracks. So tonight, tonight, let's make this the start of something. We need to be a tad more militant. We need to be a tad more upset. These scabs are not your buddies. These scabs are not your friends. These police officers are up there escorting these scabs in. They are not your buddy and they're not your friend. Let me say this to you. I am not advocating violence here. I have a 50-year record of non-violent civil disobedience. When we left here, I told this crowd that somebody's going to be arrested. Nobody but me gets arrested. Because this is my idea to walk up this road and say, I'm on your side. And God has gotten us this far. And let's get paid, let's drive safely, but we've got to be more active and we got to be more militant and we've got to participate in non-violent civil disobedience and shut this place down. Thank you, God bless all of you. Wrapping up here on the radio, just a reminder, next week, a week from today at 11 a.m., food's going to be served at 1 is the Labor Council Barbecue at the YACC Pavilion at Montesano. You can support the striking families at Warrior Med at paypal.me slash UMWA Strike Pantry. Follow us online, Facebook and YouTube, where we're going to continue the conversation in overtime going to be talking some more about what's going on with the Democratic Party in Alabama, and then we're going to be going to Connor Lewis for a report about Labor's electoral strength in Pennsylvania. Going to be a good time. Follow us over there. See you next time.